0: okay real quick babes and trolls before we hashtag it into it um my wonderful and very fastidious producer corey would like you all to know that this episode was recorded while i was traveling in nashville and therefore we had to improvise just a tiny bit you may hear like a hint of a speakerphone okay listen you gonna be fine everything is still audible and this does not reflect the future quality of future episodes Number two, my very wonderful and fastidious producer, Corey, cough, cough, a one, ever the drama queen, would like you all to know that this minor oversight on his part makes him wish that he could be dragged behind a moving vehicle into oncoming traffic. Just thought y'all should know what I'm dealing with here. Okay, that's all. Let's get into it. Love ya. Hello, babes and trolls, kids and queers. Welcome to Millenniagram, the Enneagram podcast your pastor definitely won't be recommending. Together, we are here to learn a little self-deprecation, a little integration, and together, dig ourselves out of our goddamn ditches. Let's get into it.
1: Whoa! Okay,
0: this is awesome. <laughs> this is so fun. Um. Okay, hello. I'm just gonna, like, introduce... What's going on here? This is Hannah Posh, AKA Garbage Oprah, coming to you live from Nashville with um, my good internet friend, Hannah Evans. Hello, Hannah. Hello. We are um, the Millenniagram Hannahs. We are talking about the freaking intuitive triad, which is super exciting to me. And we have a bomb ass guest who is Jamie Lee Finch. What up, Jamie? Hi. Hello. Um, and I'm so excited to have her here and all of her sex witch goodness. Um, <laughs> so, but let's let's just kind of like intro a little bit first. Hannah, tell me a little bit about why the fuck you care about the Enneagram and like, what is even the deal? Um, I feel like it's just this personality typing system and there's like so many out there and like, it's kind of trash. Um, so tell me a little bit why it matters to you.
2: Yeah, um... It's a great question. So, I actually just found out about the Enneagram, like, two years ago, probably. Oh, okay. And I've always been really into personality stuff, which, like, now I kind of hate because all those other things are inferior to the Enneagram now and, like, you know, whatever. Oh, how dare you? But, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I heard about it and was like, this is fascinating, you know, I... I'm constantly trying to figure out why I do what I do. And so here's something that sort of tells me that. And I uh, read everything. I possibly could get my hands on almost every book that exists. All the people nice. on Twitter, all the podcasts. And was just like a big old nerd about it. Because that's how I am about literally everything I like. <laughs> and uh, Real shit. <laughs> and so I, yeah, I, I haven't. I pretty much have just, like, devoured every single thing in existence, and I'm now here to regurgitate all of those things for all of you. So all the word vomit is going to happen today. Oh, hell yes. You know what? We don't have to edit
0: ourselves for tweets. We can just run our fucking mouths. So Hannah's going to baby bird all
1: of her Enneagram
0: wisdom back to us. That is an adorable <laughs> mental picture I just got.
1: Um, wow.
0: Hell yes. Hannah, what number are you? Um, how
2: descriptive do we want to be about this? Oh, my this? God, the because most.
0: But you have I to can... define your terms because we've got noobs listening. So Okay, so I'm an
2: Enneagram one. But I also cool, have cool, a nine wing, which I'm sure we'll get into talking about wings and what they are or will. some, you know, simple version of that. So I have a nine wing and then I am the social variant of one, which I, I'm sure we'll get into, too. I'm a big old nerd about the variants. So um, but basically what that means is that I think a lot about my number in terms of where I fit within community and where I fit th- fit within um groups and where cool. I fit within like a culture and so I I tend to be more like maybe what uh any gram experts would coin as like the reformer side of the one. So like a lot of my perfectionistic tendencies are um turned outward onto society and so I'm like nice. society could be better <laughs> and our school Shit could sucks. be better. I went to my university, and within the first year of my undergrad was like, okay, so our entire higher ed system should be redone, and then just like, started writing about it. <laughs> so, just a small teensy little project I was going to yeah, take on real fast. Yeah, it's casual, just like, <laughs> that's what you do in your hobby free time, right? So. Um, So yeah, so that's most of how, but it's also very internal too, and largely focused on relationship. So like, I want to be, I want to be the perfect friend, and I want to be the perfect, I want to give the perfect advice, and I want to be the perfect, you know, partner. I want to be the perfect employee. You know, all of those things. So, friend, that is largely in relationship with others.
0: Like I don't envy your life right now. That sounds tough. (laughs) Um, I was just talking. Oh, go ahead. No, I was interrupting you.
2: (laughs) I was just talking to uh, my husband, Logan, yesterday. I'm reading through Suzanne Stabile's new book, The Road Between Us, which is excellent, and you should all go buy it. I'm so excited. (laughs) And I was reading it to him, and he was like, wow, I would not want to live in your brain, and I was like, well, no. (laughs) 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 I
0: mean... (laughs) I would really not want to live in anyone's brain. Um, Mine is the most best. And um, yeah, that, yeah, sounds rough. (laughs) But
2: But, yeah, and uh, what number are you, Hannah? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh my God, you want to talk about me? Okay. Um, I am a four,
0: uh, four wing three, which just means that I am extra as fuck literally all the time ever. Um, And I really have just like, Leaned into the three wing as of this year, really. Um, Thank God for antidepressants. Um, I thought I was a five wing because I was like sad all the time and just like sitting around moping in bars being drunk. Um, And (laughs) that's that's just based, that's my whole Nashville experience moping in bars, being drunk. And Waffle House at 3 a.m.
2: But um, so what you're telling me is you moved from Billy Joel's Piano Man to Billy Joel's Uptown Girl in the span of like a year. (laughs) What a reference!
0: I am Billy
1: Joel wing.
0: Billy Joel. (laughs) (laughs) That's the next enneagram thread. Is Billy Joel, according to the enneagram? Yes, Um, that's that's real shit. That's your job, though. I'm not the Billy Joel expert. So, wow. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I really leaned into the three wing. I think that I had, I had really bad, um, I had really bad ideas about what the three was. And I think a lot of people do. We will get to that in their episode. Um, but I think just realizing that I'm a creative person, but I'm always creating for an audience. Like I'm always thinking about who needs to hear this, who do I need to connect with? Um, and that has been really fun for me, honestly. And I think it is the most authentic expression of me. Um, Instinctual variance, which um, we probably need to define that term, um, is an interesting thing. So there are three options that are available for like every number. It's the self-prez, social, and sexual. And so the self-prez is like, really revolves around like more um I don't even want to say materialistic but just more pragmatic side of things like do I have Mm -hmm. what I need are are my affairs in order like having the right stuff right would you say that yeah definitely and then social is more concerned with like what does my community look like what are the systems and networks of people around me look like and then sexual is kind of a misnomer sounds hot it basically just means (laughs) that it is uh you're more concerned with like one-on-one relational intimacy. So it's definitely relationship based, but, but less on the broader spectrum and more about like um, specific relationships.
2: Okay. So. so what I've heard and yeah, tell I'm me. curious your thoughts on this. What I've heard is that like self president are usually warm. Like your experience of them is warm. Ooh. Social is a little bit more cool and reserved. And then okay. sexual is like the most heat intense people I don't know if I don't know oh, sounds if you like me. have experienced that or not
0: <laughs> um I love that and I have read that somewhere and I don't know if I've thought about it that much and I don't know what other people's experience of me is so can we like talk about me more um <laughs> but I, I I feel like I really connect with when I read about the sexual instinct it makes a lot of sense to me like I have people who are my people and I'm literally always thinking about how to make those relationships better and like closer and more, um, more all encompassing. Um, so that's really hard on my friends. I'm so sorry. Um, so yeah, I would say that I have the, the sexual instinct just being sexy all over the place. Um, (laughs) so yeah that's kind of like our intro to why we're doing this i'm not an enneagram master i don't pretend to be um i'm just a stupid queer millennial who likes to talk about the enneagram and i i've actually been nerding out about it for about a decade i took it to my freaking bible college i typed literally everyone that i came into contact with i've read all the books i've so you're like an enneagram hipster Oh, yeah. I, I liked it before it was cool. In fact, I made it trendy, okay? It is a four thing. It's so a poor thing. Um, so, yes, that is my background here. We're both millennials, and I'm so sorry for any Enneagram master that actually listens to this. They will probably hate us afterwards. Also, but I think,
2: I think I, I'm technically like a zennial. Oh, are you, how old is are like, you? So I was born I in ninety four, which is like the tail end of the millennials.
0: Oh and yeah, it's, you like wow. almost
2: yes. Gen Z. How are you?
0: Wow, I I'm used to being the youngest one in like any setting, and that's just not a thing anymore. I am twenty seven <laughs> years old, ninety four. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> ah! That's so that's amazing. Um, I. Yeah. Wow. So yes, yes.
2: You are like right on the cusp.
0: You're but I'm still technically
2: a millennial. I think they're millennials until like 95 or 96. So. Oh my God. Can you believe
0: that there are like, there are people who were born in the 2000s with like actual brains and opinions and they're like about to vote and they're like changing the world.
2: I can't, I can't it's believe so there's so many born in 2018. I
0: can't handle it. Um, okay. So in the interest of time, let's, um, Let's introduce one of the segments that we're gonna be doing, which is the Dear Garbage Oprah segment where people send us letters and have us fix their Enneagram things. Um, I mean, we'll see. We'll see about fixing it, but we'll definitely talk about it. Um, Okay, so I'm gonna read this out loud and, um, I'm going to let Jamie jump in here too, if you have any ideas about, um, about what he says. So this is from my dear friend, Jimmy. Um, here's what he says. I'm an eight wing nine and I feel like a tortured soul. I love and hate conflict. I'm intense and passive. I'm a great follower, but needs strong leadership or will take over. I can be your biggest advocate or adversary. The tug of war can be exhausting in being me. Then anxiety, I'm too extra for others than not being me enough. I'm afraid I lose opportunities for being too forceful than others for being too easygoing. Is there rest, integration, growth, help? Um, yes. Interesting. Um, Hannah, I'm interested to know what your take is on that. I have thoughts, but I will wait.
2: Yeah, so... I'm pretty sure it's Suzanne Stabile who says that, like, the eight wing nine and the three wing four are the two most uh conflicted and important wings. She she actually says that none of the other wings matter except for eights with nine wings or nines with eight wings oh and my threes God. with four wings. But I don't necessarily agree. To, I wouldn't go that far. But um I think that. It's real, like that, that eight and nine sort of blend is very like confusing for people. I have, mm. my brother is a nine with an eight wing, and it's just like, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> I bet. And so, um, yeah, and so I think that a lot of that personality, and I think this is true, I have a good friend who's a three with a four wing, and she experiences this too, this like dichotomy of contradictory desires, And, um, to both want to be, um, in control and like, uh, leading and, and also like wanting to be this, like go with the flow. And I sort of feel that too with the nine wings. So I kind of get it. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah. So I, I, I guess like, I guess I'm just trying to say that I empathize (laughs) Um, and that there is a lot of internal conflict because eights and ones can be similar Mm -hmm. in that, like, take charge, but also don't want to be too much, but also no one else is doing this right. (laughs) Right, right. And so um, I don't know that you ever really get rid of it. I think more you learn to, like, embrace it and maybe be less... Fearful about
1: the conflict. I don't know. Jamie, do you have any thoughts? You know, thoughts on this one are tough for me because I'm an eight with a seven wing. Okay. Um. So I simultaneously have so much compassion for what I can't imagine it must be like to be an eight with an I wing, and then also they frustrate <laughs> me probably more than any other person. Really? Because I just don't <laughs> fucking get it. I don't get it. Because I, I, how could I get it? And it's really cruel of me to. Approach it that way, and I I understand that. because I don't have that same internal conflict, there's sure. no part of me that sure. is interested in like keeping or making peace. I don't care because I'm a seven, so I'm just like I going to be a bowl in a china shop at all moments. So I, oh, at the, honestly, when you were reading that whole thing, I was like, oh, this poor sweet soul, and I was like, I truly cannot relate, even though I'm an eight. But that's why the wings, I think, are so. Significant and powerful Because I'm like No part of that Internal conflict Shows up In Mm. me Being an I just gotta say
2: Like I admire that So much When I see you on Twitter It's almost always Because somebody's Like at Like added you And been like Hi can you fight This person (laughs)
1: To to yes. Like he did. Oh my he god. Did. He asked me to take down activist mommy and I was like, done. I'll do it. <laughs> You'll this. have to wait until I'm done with my thesis. I'm a little busy, but like I can put her in my calendar for July. That's fine. That's fine. Yes. But yeah, so I truly can't oh poor sweet things. Eight with nine wings. I really
0: can't imagine. I think that eight wing nines, and I will say since I'm, I actually know this person, um I feel like um I feel like accepting the fact that you will always have this push and pull. Um, I mean, so this guy in particular, Jimmy, that that wrote me this, I experience him very much as like a leader, but he um, he knows when to shut up, and he like he like facilitates situations, and he he can be like. Um, aggressive in a good way, but then he also like sort of pastors the situation, like for lack of a better so word. So discernment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like the nine wing definitely does bring discernment to that situation. And I think that seeing it as less of a, um, less of a problem and, and actually as an asset, like that's a tool that you have that um, that other people wouldn't. You have the ability to be an active agent in your space and yet you know when to stop, or you know when to take a back seat. And I really feel like that's something that um, Jimmy excels at. And and I, and I see a lot of other eight wing nines do that. So when, when healthy, obviously. So um, integration though, I mean, I think that that could be a useful thing. Um, eights go to two um, and I think that, you know, being able to realize that as you're integrating and as you're becoming a more healthy person, like you are able to take all of that generosity and big heartedness and really, um, use it for the good of others. And that's something that, that Jimmy already does. Um, mm-hmm. so Jimmy, just like own it, man, like you got this. And, and the way that people experience you is as an active agent in your space but like also someone who's willing to listen, somebody who's willing to hold space for you and um and I really see the 9 wing come out that way. And so. also
1: maybe find some healthy outlets for all the energy you hold in your body. Like <laughs> honestly like exercise. Yeah. Like truly like because we have so much energy and that will spill over and manifest as anger. And again, yeah. as a 7 I'm like that's fine, I'm care. Yeah. <laughs> but as an 8 if you have that internal conflict um finding some way to get that anger out of your body, mm. um, just release oh, that energy I've Spoken like somewhere. a true therapist. <laughs> 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 this is an um, awesome know. segue. You know, yeah, yeah, if you can find some way to, to release that energy from your body, you might find that conflict doesn't <laughs> feel like it's taking you over quite as much. Okay, right. So this is actually a great segue mm-hmm. into talking
0: about um, Jamie Lee Finch and the magic that she brings to the internet and the world. Um, I'm literally looking at a business card that says Jamie Lee Finch Sex Witch, and I have never been so green with envy. Amazing! I, I need wow. it. I love it. I can't. What, handle a it. what a brand! What a brand! I know. You know
1: it draws in the right people and Did it keeps the right ones. Did somebody call you away. that or like my partner? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: picked a good one. Yeah, You picked the right one. It was like
1: not very long into us like first meeting slash getting together with one another either. And it, it truly came, the way that he, he phrased it was, he just looked at me and he goes, you really are a sex witch, aren't you? But that phrase had never specifically come out of my mouth <laughs> oh my and God. I lost it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, it's perfect. You're like, love you. Done. Yes. Sealed We're the in. deal. <laughs> We're in. He's a seven with an eight wing. I'm an eight with a seven wing, if that tells you, you anything. You know what? Oh, I wow. feel like there's yeah. some
0: great partnerships that come out of that yeah. like. That um push and pull it's so also really hard. <laughs> it's both. It's both. Yeah, yes. Yes. Makes the sex good though, oh, I'm it, sure. It, yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love talking about sex. Let's just talk about sex good. more. Yeah, Can this be that. a sex podcast? Yeah, let's okay, do it. great. Sex life um, at the Enneagram. I yes. Lord, amen. Preach. Um, okay, so Jamie, talk to me a little bit about um. There was something, well, just tell us about you. Tell us, you've already told us your number. Just give us an intro to Jamie.
1: Intro to me. Um, Well, yes, so I am Jamie Lee Finch. I'm a sex witch. Um, (laughs) Among a few other fun titles, um, I am an eight with a seven wing, as we have discussed. I... um, Along with being a sex witch, what I do—it's so, so, it's it's so, so good. It's I so good. I can't. you are just gonna fit
2: that in as many times as possible. I know. I know. It's
1: really great. I have those business cards actually on my desk here in this office, and I wonder—and along with like a concrete skull next to it. So I like wonder how many people are <laughs> truly it. afraid. Holly It's great. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, but I—what I do really, which you know it's interesting listening to you talk about the um instinctual uh variance as well because i'm a social eight and when i first got that what answer respond you know Mm -hmm. typing or whatever it it was really confusing to me because i assumed either sexual or self-pres would be more correct for me um but when i Mm -hmm. looked into the depth of what it means to be like a social eight by and large and the kind of and hannah i don't remember the exact way you said it but something about you're kind of just viewing everything you're doing through the scope of how it affects kind of the greater world community and network. And yeah, that made so much more sense to me to be a social aid because what it is that I do for a living, um, I'm a relationship guide between humans and their own bodies. I'm an integrative health coach, um, technically along with, which I'll just keep saying it. I'll keep saying it. Um, so what I do is I help people reorient themselves to um, to their own bodies, to their own sense of self and sense of being. I work with a lot of people who are coming out of toxic experiences with fundamentalist and authoritarian religions, um, particularly evangelical Christianity, ours, our authoritarian religion here in the United States. Um, and and I, uh, my, my main job, my main goal in that is to continually and constantly reframe the reality of, an experience of embodiment through the language of relationship. So we are in relationship with our bodies. We're in relationship with ourselves and any, any form of trauma has caused us to kind of drop out of that perfect, beautiful, fluent connection that we are supposed to have with ourselves. Um, and so when I found out that kind of, you know, di- received the diagnosis of a social eight, um, I was like, <laughs> God, no, that makes so much sense because everything I do, I'm constantly, constantly processing it through how, What impact is this making on the world around me? And even in my one on one client work, because I take clients one on one, but even in that, I'm less thinking about it in the more kind of like, if I was the sexual instinctive, I'm not really thinking about it in the one on one impact. I'm thinking about their entire world, their entire network, their entire community. And when they mm, become more connected with themselves, how that then causes change and affects change. And then how that, and that's how I view the work that I do. I'm like, I truly believe that the impact that I'm making is less about you know cuz i've had people mention things like you know doing online courses and so and to me that I, that's right for other people it's really not right for my work because it it is I was so literally going to be like Jamie can you please teach me a class <laughs> it's, i want to attend at some point i might like come up with some <laughs> kind of loose thing but truly like every person i work with it has to be intuitive mm. every second of every, that hour that we spend every week for the course of those 6 months it is deeply intuitive so trying to create some sort of like larger you know, curriculum that fits everyone doesn't really feel right to me. I'm open to that sometime in the future if it happens, but, but I think the reason why it has to be so intuitive and well, all that to say it, when people talk to me about how I could be making a potentially like greater impact, usually it's like threes or fives. Um, I'm like, (laughs) you're not seeing what I'm seeing. You're truly not seeing what I'm seeing because they're only seeing one individual person and they're thinking that that's not a great enough number. And I'm looking at that one individual person and thinking about every single person that they interact with in their life. I'm looking at thinking about their community, their partner, their children in particular, their friends, their brothers, sisters, parents. And Damn. I see that ripple out. And so to me, I'm like, I see that on a social yeah, yeah. wide level. Um, and so I try and work with as many people as I possibly can one at a time for that exact reason. Mm. Um, it's so like yeah. stealth activism. It really is. No, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly, that feels so good. It's like, <laughs> yes. I really feel that. I feel that a lot that I feel like I'm kind of like, because a lot of people who work with me, they don't really know or don't have language for why they need to or feel they need to Mm -hmm. work with me. Mm -hmm. And so, and um, like we were talking about before we started recording, I started out just as a, as a health coach, integrated health coach. So people were reaching out to me wanting to talk about, you know, losing their last in pounds, balancing their hormones. And i I wanted to talk to them about how much time they spend alone and whether or not they feel like they have a comfortable spiritual practice. And they're like, what? I don't understand. Kimmy, come again. Yeah, because ultimately like the problem's not the problem. And so it does feel like this stealth kind of like we're coming underneath what they feel the obvious overt Mm. issue is. And I'm really talking to them about their ultimate connection with their bodies, how on the same page and connection connected and relationship they feel with their bodies. And if they don't, we want to spend some time and figure out why. Oh god. Damn, that is so good. Mm -hmm. Um I have a question that
0: I have been dying to ask you, and oh I boy. knew that we had to do it while we were recording. Oh um boy.
1: there was there, Have so, we had sex with any of the same people?
0: Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh <probably>. shit! <laughs> we're going there. Most likely. Probably. <laughs> most likely, there there are some names that will not be spoken no, in this face. No, freaking chorus. <laughs> <course losing laughs> <it. again. laughs> Uh, uh-huh. Wow. I really want to circle back maybe maybe possibly to that. Um but there was something <laughs> that you said to me like as we were talking before uh recording and you said something about um my body wrote this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were one of the first eights that I've ever spoken to that I really feel like eights are so active, right? Like they're always doing stuff, but yeah. I feel like you um have really returned to the wisdom of your body in a way that like, um, eights have a singular power to do and rarely do, you know? So how, Mm. how did you reconnect with that intuitive wisdom?
1: Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that's a long Um, answer. Well, kind of, but also I just want to kind of bring awareness to the fact that this happens to me every time. Like when I hear you even talking about which I, I will use like she and her like pronouns to refer mm-hmm. to my body, which is confusing when I, that comes up when I'm talking to total strangers and I don't <laughs> expect it. But to me sitting there in that moment and like hearing you talk about her and you referencing like, Oh, you said that she wrote this for you. Like she did this, she got you there. Like, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. I like immediately get emotional because mm-hmm. she, she, I, she saved my life. Like, and mm-hmm. I can't imagine, I can't, Oh, I'm like going off track now, even in my own head. I can't imagine living in the way that I lived before, which was very, mm-hmm. you know, without me knowing I was an ape, but very mm-hmm. disconnected from myself and very driven by external influence, very yeah. driven by wanting to be perceived in certain ways by people. Sometimes even that power that I've learned how to, um, I won't say harness, but learn how to direct mm-hmm. and um, focus it um, generally on behalf of other people um, that power was something that used to just completely take me over and would exhaust me or would hurt other people or would Mm. hurt myself, particularly Mm. would hurt myself. And it really is like how I got to here. Um, I think it is, there is an element of it that I, I don't know how to explain. I really Mm. don't know how to explain it. Um, and I think that because when I think back on my life, I think about like all the times that I thought, I don't know. I don't know how people would feel about this, but all the times that I thought that I was hearing from like this, like male external deity or like the Holy spirit or something like, I know it's just her. It was just her the whole time. It's always (sighs) been her. And so anytime that when I look back and I reframe like my previous evangelical years and the good things that I, for a long time for years, didn't know where to put them, like Mm -hmm. what boxes to put them in. I was like, Oh, those can stay because those were never anyone but myself. And so when you ask the question about like, how, what does that mean that your body wrote, like wrote yeah. the work yeah. that you're doing now, um, man, I just, it's, I think it's something that I've always had this sense that there was an opportunity to be in perfect, fluent connection with my true self. And I think that we all, I think, I don't know, I'm pretty sure we all had that like as children and then Mm. things came along and we're like, no, no, that's not allowed. You're not supposed to, that's not okay. But luckily being an eight, I was like, I don't think that you get to tell me what to do. (laughs) And being an eight that doesn't have a nine wing, I was like, no, I know for sure that you don't get to tell me what to do. So truly, I think how I got to here was that consistent anger at the idea of anyone else mm-hmm. telling me that I didn't, I wasn't allowed to know myself. And we joked when you yeah. guys first got here that, that like, Oh, I just kept getting kicked out of churches every two years. <laughs> That's true. I really did. Because yeah. I kept telling them, no, what I don't, what I didn't know then that I know now is what I kept not knowing. I was really saying was no, she's telling me something different than what you are. And she wins. So that was mm, problematic. <laughs> that was problematic to say the least. So I kept getting kicked out till I finally was like, y'all seem to keep having a problem with me being here. at also I'll just see myself out. And truly my whole life was on the mm. other side of that decision. Everything was on the other side of that decision. And me holding space for teaching people how to learn how to do that for themselves now is the best thing I ever could have imagined. And that's why I say that she gave it to me because she taught me how to do it with her in the first place.
0: Wow. So it's like it what you were able to do with other people started with being able to do it for yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, and I, I wonder, like, I don't know, it's a weird hypothetical, but if I was any other number, like <laughs> how would this have worked out right? quite this right? way? Cause would I have mm-hmm. just consistently been like, fuck you, I pick her. She wins, she wins, she wins, she wins, she wins, no Ugh. matter what she wins. So, so I don't know. Like, I don't know. Out. Maybe I wouldn't. have. So, I love I, that so much. Yeah. That's why I think like the, and I think that's why I also think the integration to two was, crucial mm-hmm. because if I was like, fuck you, I pick her, but then like went to a five and became highly, which I was for a long time, was highly suspicious of other people and oh. just stayed there and just mm-hmm. insulated. Like, and I have, I have be seen doing, that transpire, oh, honey. Girl, it was yes. most of my life. Honestly, on, let's be real about it. It was my entire life inside of evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. I was so okay, yeah. nervous. So, I've, so I have a question that's very related to this. So yeah. I'll uh, throw it in here.
2: Um, one of the things that I'm the most passionate about, about the Enneagram is about eights actually and in particular female eights What? because I, I because oh, I yeah. think that we I think that we like misinterpret them so much or they don't and obviously in like evangelical culture there's not space for them a lot of the time but even outside of that I think that like you know society at large just doesn't like opinionated intense women right and so um, Suzanne Stabile talks a little bit about her daughter and this idea of, like, betrayal and, um, and the fact that, like, people are betraying her before they even know her because there's, like, a reading into who she is without getting the chance to know her. And I guess I was wondering, like, how do you, how have you, um, made sense out of or processed that, like, pain and betrayal of people, like, not giving you the benefit of the doubt, Uh, Like as a person and in particular, always feeling maybe like you were too much in evangelical spaces.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, That's such a good question. Um, I feel like. Well, there's two different answers for that. There's an answer from like before I knew my body better and an answer for now. And the answer from before was um, self-destructive behaviors, compulsive behaviors, coping mechanisms that were actually destroying mm-hmm. me. Um, when the, oh, if someone else doesn't choose me, I guess that means like I'm subconsciously telling myself I can't choose myself because there must be something wrong with me. Um, mm-hmm. So generally, I wouldn't deal with it. Generally, I wouldn't handle it. I would just kind of dig my hole deeper alongside them because I was... Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, some of that also comes from like childhood trauma too, um, abuse from my mother, and yeah. which that was my kind of core original wound was abuse from my mother that actually had a lot to do with my personality. I don't know what any grand mm. type my mother is. I don't quite frankly care. Um, what I do know is whatever she is, she's not healthy and she's not integrated. And so there were yeah. lots of um, lots of issues growing up in that regard with how strong-willed, how um, how intense I was. That was extremely problematic for her. Um, Mm. so I kind of initially started out with this wound of, if I am my true self, if I am as powerful as I really believe that I am, I won't be received. I won't be loved. I will be Mm. rejected, abandoned and left. Cause that's ultimately what she did. So, and it was, and it was very much projected. Like I'm leaving because you're too much essentially was kind of the thing. Jesus. yeah. So, um, there was definitely different uh, not healthy coping mechanisms with that early, early on before trauma therapy, before going through EMDR and before reorienting myself to my body. Um, it had a lot of, I clung to people really intensely. I needed them to like me. And if I didn't hear from them in a matter of a day, I thought that they were leaving me too. Like oh, my best yeah. friend of seven years, only in the last real year, have I been aware that she's not going anywhere and that had everything to do with me, <sighs> my brain healing. Um, so there, so that's my answer for before. And my answer for now, um, it's funny, I feel like it didn't in my healing as an eight with my healing, with trauma healing, it didn't made me make me softer. It actually made me stronger so that it's not like when people, when people don't receive me well. <laughs> if we're talking about the internet. I'm just really good with the block button. Like I just don't <laughs> suffer any Cancel fucking, that shit, honey. My energy, like all of, not just mine. Our energy is a finite resource. I don't have unlimited supplies. Mm, and like, yes, yes. And what I have that? is extremely important to be allocated to the people that I've committed it to. But ultimately it's most important to commit it to myself. So mm. I have like thirty five clients. I have a partner. I have a handful of best friends. I have a couple of family members. I'm on good terms with. Writing a have myself. book, and I'm writing a fucking book. So like, when I think about relational energy, I'm like, why would I respond to someone with like, who doesn't even have a photo on Twitter, who can't spell things correctly, like? No, I am not to talk to an egg. Yeah, and so not interesting. No, I don't need to talk to egg. So ultimately, <laughs> like, ultimately, I'm at this point now where most people. My my true experience is that most people who do not understand me or I feel that they don't understand me. I either don't care to be understood by them or they're operating with an entirely different value system than the one that I have. So Mm. it, that's just not, Mm. that's not my lane. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not, the thing I I say a lot and the thing I, I will say to my clients, I have one client in particular who loves that I say this, I'm not for everyone. I'm not. And mm-hmm. I'm for the people that I'm for and being now being like a healed, you know, moving as much as I can towards integration as an eight. I think that's probably the healthiest thing that yep. eight, especially eight women can recognize. It's really mm. fucking hard being in a patriarchal, uh, you know, society, a patriarchal construct where it's like everything that eight women have eight men have, but they're championed and they're also not kept yeah. in check about it. So it becomes really unhealthy, but we have had to consistently have those elements of ourselves be kept in check and the healthier that we become, the stronger that we become and the more of that power we can give away to other people. Honestly, the more that we're able to set up good boundaries and just say like, if I'm not for you, I'm not for you because I have tons of people I need to be for. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I have a question. Um, I, I feel like every eight that I've ever met and like heard their life story, they can kind of, and, and maybe it wasn't one moment for a lot of people it is, this like fuck it moment where they reached (laughs) their breaking point where they were just like, absolutely the fuck not. I don't, I'm not putting up with, um, your bullshit, your rules. Like, um, and I can like my, my sister is an eight and she's been my best friend my whole life. And I can, I can remember the moment when she Mm. said fuck it. And that was, Hmm. it was really, um, it was really, it felt like a betrayal to me. Cause she mm. was like, she was breaking the rules and the yeah. rules were, mm. you know, the standards that we lived by. And, um, but I was also like, so jealous, you know, because mm. I was just like, where did you get that power <laughs> right. from? Who yeah. gave it to you? Where did, what, what yeah. why I just need, per, I need permission to also have that power right. and you get the permission from inside you. So, ah, <laughs> pisses me off, but yeah. it's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, so if you could tell me, can, can you think of a moment where that sort of where you reached your breaking point? I'm
1: trying to narrow it down. <laughs> I'm like, in which there were context several? Which time? there were several, yeah, with which ex-boyfriend, with which church community, with which belief structure, with which, you know, real with shit. Which job, which, with which narcissistic boss, <laughs> like which one, um, man, I think, well, but even in saying that within all of those, I think there was still this weird, like previously there was this weird tethering that was like, but you still got to play by the rules somehow. And mm-hmm. I wonder, yes, you know, I don't know. I think it might've been when I figured out I was in a cult. I mean, I will not like much anybody else. I think, I think it was Too probably that far. One because of, and I know I've said this like another podcast before, but like how I ended up in that cult was I steal that line from Arrested Development where it was like, it was a series of escalating dares within evangelicalism where I just kept going from expression to expression right. to expression. Cause I was like, this one's not working, but apparently something in this realm is supposed to work. So maybe it's the next one Mm. without knowing that like the whole fucking thing's a lie. It's all broken. (laughs) So I was like, maybe it's over there. Maybe it's over there. Maybe it's over there. So I kept trying and that literally got me to move to another country and join a fucking cult. And when I came back and they broke my heart and completely, luckily didn't completely ruin my life because my body is better than that. But Oh. Tried to, Okay. for sure tried to, and it wasn't for another nine months after coming back from that and being totally devastated and slowly rebuilding. Nine months later is when this, through a random series of events, something happened and I woke up and I was like, holy fuck, this is what I was just a part of. This is what just tried to mm. take me from myself. Mm. And I think that was probably it for me. Cause I was like, I've given this thing 20 years. I've given y'all the best years of my and life. And you went hard. So much. You I gave had, labor, you gave time, all you All gave... my chips were pushed yep. in the middle of the table. <laughs> mm-hmm. All my money, all my time, all my resources, everything, God. all of it. And yeah. this is mm-hmm. where I am now because of this. And I think right. that for me, and I think, I think that, that real, like that final kind of like fuck it moment for me, it makes sense that it was, it was, um, within the realm of my relationship towards my previous Belief system because mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. my whole life. Like, right. from age, you know, seven, it was like, I, if I'm gonna do this thing, I need to do it as best as I possibly can and do it. Well, a lot of that was rooted in fear, where I was like, if I'm not the perfect, like, Christian person, especially being like a strong willed woman, I was like, if I don't get myself in line, I might go to hell, you know, whatever. Where's that so, gentle <laughs> and quiet spirit right, at, I, Jamie? Well, oh, that was literally senior <laughs> year of high school. A te- my Bible teacher. Like, was correcting me on my personality by telling me that there was something wrong with me because I needed to be following that verse. I'm not oh kidding. God. I'm not Gross. kidding. I'm telling you, I've had some shit with this being oh an eight woman, God. and it helped when I learned yeah. I was just an eight and not evil. Um, So, yeah, so I think that final fuck it moment was like, okay, then if this thing has all, if, if I gave it everything I had, and this is what is the result of this, this is what it did to me, I can't do this anymore. And what I didn't know is on the other side, my body had been waiting for me to choose her instead for those 20 Mm. years. And Mm. so when I finally did and was like, I'm not going to church anymore. I need to heal. I need to quit showing up in a church buildings where I'm having a panic attack. Every time I try and be there, I need to take care of myself. The first moment, and this is something I tell my clients a lot, like the first time you make any motion in the direction of your body, she cannot, he, she, they, they are so excited that you're there that they are not going to be hostile to you. They're not going to be resistant to you. They're so fucking excited that you're finally looking in their direction, that healing and integration is the only, the only answer. Like I, in a weird sense, I have the easiest job in the world. All I have to do is hold space for the inevitable conclusion because Mm. if someone reaches (sighs) out to me to want to work with me in the first place and they make any motion in the direction of hearing their body, they they chose themselves to come to you. They did. They absolutely did. So yeah. I feel like that's wow. what it really was for me is like that moment when I chose her and was like, I'm not putting you in these situations anymore where you are in physical and emotional pain and turmoil. I yeah. pick you. And that was what changed everything.
2: Oh <laughs> I love I love the way you talk about <clears throat> I love the way you talk about your body as like a external relationship, like you're in relationship. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of that Nair Wahid poem that's like, there is you and you. I read that this morning. Hands. The most important relationship. Synchronicity. Go to my
1: Instagram, look in my stories.
2: (laughs) It's on there. I love that book. And I have and I think that's one of the poems that I bookmarked. Because like I think I think the eights like have so much to offer ones and like Mm. ones have so much to learn from eights because Mm. ones are so like we're still a body type, right? But like we're Mm. so repressed from our bodies like it took me so long to learn how to move my body in certain basic ways Uh, which is like I think a a religious issue in general and then also on top of that being a one like but I still also experience so many of my emotions in my body and so um, I think that for like for ones that that bond is like severed in some ways or Mm -hmm. like severely on the on the rocks Uh and um I think that like I just think that like the strength of that connection of experience between body and mind that exists in most eights in my experience although I think you embody that in a really like obvious healthy way way. um I think that Like I have, I feel like I have so much to learn from that. I think like I feel and like in the way you talk about your body as being like externalized mate would make me more aware of the ways I talk Mm -hmm. about my body. That's it. If it's, if it's another, if it's another being, if it's my friend, you know,
1: she hears everything you say, she hears everything you think. And when you frame it that way, and I, we've, I've talked about that with my clients a lot where. I have one client who she was saying something to her son about her body because her son made a comment on her body and she responded in a way that was like, okay, you might see my body for what it looks like, but I see her for what she can do. And I was like, Mm. you know what's extra powerful about that moment is she heard you. She heard Mm. you. She heard you say that. So she automatically trusts you more. She heard you stand up for her. She heard you do that. And when there's a felt sense of safety and trust within your body from her to you, stress Mm -hmm. level reduces everything that is necessary to be present in your body for like actual health and wellness and even like healing from physical conditions or disease or sickness. The, that, that goes, I I kind of lost where I was going with that, but essentially like that, that stage is set better Mm -hmm. when, when there is safety and trust in your relationship to yourself. So everything that you say about your body, everything you say to your body, she overhears you. And if you think about it in the sense of if I'm in relationship with you Mm -hmm. and I'm over here talking with someone else Mm -hmm. about my relationship towards you and I'm saying negative things and you overhear me, Mm -hmm. what does that do in your relationship to me? Do you trust me more? Do you trust me less? Trust me Yeah, exactly. And that means something in the space that exists between us. That means that you're going to be less vulnerable with me. You're going to be less open with me and Mm. less honest with me. That also means that when I come to you and expect to be received by you, I'm going to experience. I'm going to read that off of you and I'm going to interpret it as hostility. So then I put up a wall. So there's this like Mm. built. So when we reframe it in the context of what we know to be true in our interpersonal relationships with other people, it's suddenly like. And that's why I say we're reframing embodiment through the language of relationship because it suddenly illuminates so much about these ambiguous concepts of mm. like self-love and like self-care.
0: Are you my coach now, Jamie? I, so. I, I feel like <laughs> I'm <laughs> freaking crying. I'm <laughs> crying. Uh, yes. We thought we
2: were recording a podcast, but but Jamie's actually this just, is just coaching us.
1: I'll tell you guys later. It's fine. No, I'm kidding.
0: (laughs) You know, it's funny because I have this line that keeps sticking out to me and, um, returning to the wisdom of your body. Mm -hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. it had, it takes on so much more meaning now, like uh, objectively, I knew that it was a thing. I knew that there was wisdom inside myself. I knew that, um, I knew that my best creativity and my best, um, you know, the best things about me were not, like, deep in the pit of my feels, um, which is why mm. I love to live as a four. <laughs> Such a four. Um, yes. N- they're not deep in the pit of my feels. They're they're in my body. Like, <laughs> yeah. my creativity yeah. is very embodied. And, like, I've noticed even when I'm, like, I'm writing a book right now, and if I'm sitting down in a chair too long, my brain stops working. Yep. So I have to, oh, like, yeah. I, I literally have written almost this entire book freaking standing up yeah because I just have to stay active yeah it's so wild I know but I'm like my body is writing this book and my body says to stand so I guess it's what I'm doing I bought this great ass desk and I don't sit at it
1: (laughs) but whatever but you called something in in the buying of that desk I yes you're manifesting the same thing that you would be manifesting if you were sitting at the desk because you bought the desk oh okay
0: all right then okay
2: (laughs) if you say so (laughs) cool 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 that's great
0: that's I'm why the fine. business card totally, says totally <laughs> literally sex witch okay <laughs>
2: <sighs> um Hannah do you have any other questions because I'm like having a moment so <laughs> <laughs> um so I'm just still thinking about this body thing in the ways that numbers wrestle well, with yeah. their body and also in like coaching and therapy um so I Like my mom is a nine with a one wing and she's a therapist Mm. and I'm imagining like how different her therapy, like an experience in therapy with her would be than like an experience in therapy with you, Jamie. And like, I'm curious about, maybe this is a very niche question being like from a family of I like the daughter of a counselor, but like, how do you, how has your like therapy approach, like the way that you um, work with others, informed by your personality type? Because like my mom does back. a lot of does a lot of mirroring like because she's a nine, right? And so, but but I wonder like how has how is being an eight, I guess, informed the way that you participate in the therapy process?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, um, God, this is such a great question, and one of the things I do want to say real quick, um, is that just for the sake of clarity, I'm not a therapist. Um, I yes. really, 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 really respect therapists and what it takes for them to get to where they are. And I'm not one of those people that's there yet. Um, I'm a coach. And so Okay. And that's something I'm really clear Sorry about that. Oh no, you're totally fine. You're totally fine. I don't and it's one of those things that like, since this is going into like the public sphere, I want to make sure that no one think right. calling myself <laughs> right, here, right. You know. Totally. Yes. Some some of my some of my um clients do kind of refer to me as a therapist. it's it's fine if they wanna call me whatever they want to call me. Occupy yeah. that space yes. for them. Yes. Sure. So yeah. um but yeah. most of my clients actually work with me in tandem with a therapist. So okay. that's what the things I actually and to give an answer to your question actually kind of piggybacks on that. I would eventually love to, and my plan is to go the route of becoming a therapist. But for the time being, I love occupying the role of coach um, mm-hmm. for the reason that there are more things that I can say. There are more mm. um, I can I can take up a little bit more space, like talking, verbalizing mm, um, yes. than most therapists are trained to do, and and you know rightfully right. so. Um, so the space that we hold is is very different from one another on purpose. And I feel like not that I would be a bad therapist as an eight. I think that's where that integration to two like Mm -hmm. comes in really, really Mm -hmm. handy. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that I really excel being a coach as an eight because of that reason of, I, I actually have one client in particular who has, um, who has worked for when we first started working together, he kind of like upfront was like, just so you know, I've worked with so many therapists and so many, you know, so many different people over so many years and I can talk them in circles and I just, it never gets anywhere and it never does anything for me. He's, he was like very much at the end of his rope, kind of equally frustrated, but also kind of like, just so you know, this is what I'm wearing. I'm so damn. He's like daring I'm so you. i so dark and so damn <laughs> that you just can't. And I was like, let's try this bitch. Okay. So the cool thing about being a coach is I can be a level of forceful with him That I mean, I don't know because I'm not a licensed or trained therapist, but I, so I don't know what verbiage they receive on like what they can and can't say. My previous therapist was occasionally forceful with me, but his tone was still very gentle. Mm -hmm. And this client in particular Mm -hmm. and a few others that I know don't need gentleness from me. They do not Mm -hmm. because that client, Mm -hmm. he was kind of saying to me without saying to me, everyone in my past has been gentle with me. And what I heard his body saying was like, that's the last thing I need because Mm -hmm. then I, they're in the palm of my hand. And so Mm. after we've been working together for about five months and he, I mean, it's been truly transformational to watch what has occurred with him. And he has said to me multiple times, like usually when we finish up a session, he'll reiterate the fact that he's like, this has saved my life. Like this has gotten Mm. me to a place where nothing else ever has. And I'm just, I'm so grateful. I don't know where I would be without it. And I, when I think about your question, I think about those moments where I had to give myself that permission to be the eight that I intuitively in that moment felt that I needed to be and I wanted to be and that Mm. he actually needed to be me to be for him where he would be I would ask him how he feels and he would just start like you know rabbit trailing down this thing about what he thinks and like super in his head and I would have to cut him off or tell him something's bullshit or tell him that's not fucking true or rein him in in some way to get him to reconnect with his body and really hear what his body was saying to him Um, and there's a few other clients that that's true with as well that that level of intensity really comes in handy But that's also where I think that integration piece is so crucial because I have to occupy that space of gentleness too. There's a lot of, I had one session a few months ago where the majority of it, of the hour long, I would say about 45 minutes of that hour was me just holding silent space for her to cry because she (sighs) was just not well and not, not doing well and that's what she needed. I asked her if she had had any space in the situation she was in to actually release emotions. And she said, no. And so I told her that's what we were going to do. And that Mm. almost that entire session was just that gentleness and that posture of this is, and anytime I said anything, it was limited and it was with very like gentle tones. Um, Mm. so there's an element of like eights. You can't just, you can't just like be the eight that you want to be in the world all the time with everyone, because it's situational moment to moment. It's, it might not be the best thing, but being intuitive enough to know what people need from you and deferring to what it is that that individual person needs from you Mm. in that moment is what's so important. And so I think, I think any other number would be phenomenal, you know, in, in any helping position too, as long as they're, you know, going towards integration, um, maybe except a five, I don't know. I can't really imagine that either. There's <laughs> any five therapists out there. I'm really sorry. But um, I know too many. And Anyway. Um, but, but yeah, I just, I really do love that specific connection between being a coach and being an eight because mm-hmm. they kind of overlap a little bit, I feel. Yeah. So in the interest what, of
0: time, we do need to kind of try and wrap up. But um, I want, so what I want every guest to do at the end of the episode is to like leave us with an affirmation. That has like that has helped you. That has like um, you know
1: a mantra. I don't whatever. Give it to us. What you do you are you not waiting for permission? Corey knew it. Corey knew I was gonna say it. <laughs> 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 that, I mean, tr- and that's why I love that a minute ago you were you were on that point about permission where it's like mm. there's something about an eight that's just like oh that comes from within me. I'm sorry you must have misunderstood me, sir. I don't need this from you. But like there's these other numbers that may be looking at people that they might not know are eights and they're like. I'm from with you and you're like, just here. It's just here. You have it too. But that took a while for me Mm -hmm. to know that I truly was not waiting on permission from anyone else. And it's a much longer story, but Richard Rohr was at the core of that. It was an interview. I heard from him that something happened that he said that I was like, I'm not waiting on permission. So to bring it like full Enneagram circle Mm. here, I was just like, I'm not waiting on permission. And then my body was like, you are not waiting for permission. I was like, holy shit, we're not. And so that whole anyway and that was like 2015 or something so here we are um but that's yeah that'll be lady god bless it. that shit
0: <laughs> lady god bless it. it's true. amen hallelujah um jamie i would love for our coaching session to literally continue <laughs> the rest of the day um <laughs> maybe I will have to get some sessions. Yeah. But anyway, um, thank you so much for joining us on this, our very first oh episode God, so of Millenniagram. Oh. Graham. Uh, you did. <laughs> oh, we didn't ever keep talking about sex. No, we didn't. It's fine. fine, we'll do, that we'll we'll do, that do it tonight. with the camera. We'll oh, do that tonight with yes. tequila, that oh, seems better. That yeah. seems a better choice, better. yes, correct. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, guys. And we'll see ya on the flip. Well, dear Lady God, I hope your world was as rocked by that as mine was. Um, You should definitely look up Jamie Lee Finch, Sex Witch, on the interwebs. She's got an amazing website at jamieleefinch.com. Find her also on Twitter at jamieleefinch. Super easy. And find my glorious co-host Hannah Schaefer Evans at Hannah Schaefer. That's S-C-H-A-E-F. On the Twitters, I can spell, it's fine. Everything they say is golden, so like you cannot, you literally cannot go wrong. Um, Thanks y'all for joining me on this very first episode of Millenniagram. Here for a little self deprecation, then integration. Can't wait to get back into it next week. Let's do this, y'all. That's what's up.